It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling Gulf Coast is the inspirational voice of Gulf Coast fishing and conservation. Hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist, conservationist, and flounder revolutionary, Chester Moore. Be ready for a relentless pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of fishing adventure. Welcome to Higher Calling Gulf Coast. This is Chester Moore, and we're continuing our speckled trout saga. Like, I overdo everything. Like, I am the king of overdoing stuff. So <laughs> I decided, hey, let's do 10 episodes in a row in a month on speckled trout. So I'm down here at South Padre Island, and I'm here with Brian Barrera and Captain, Captain Brian Barrera and Captain Luis Flanes third. And we've been talking. We did another show, which you can go back and listen to. It's really awesome talking about the overall fishery down here. And, but I want to talk just about the trout fishing down here. And you said you do a big percentage of your fishing is actually for trout. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a species that I offer on my guide trips, and it's something that I can get most people on. You know, it's, mm. it's the trout that we've got good numbers here, and you can find, you know, the, the slot size, and, and you can always run into a trophy here and there. We've got uh, areas that hold lots of, lots of healthy trout. You know, we've got the, the deeper drop-offs, and we've got the mud shell bottoms, and mm. Trout like to hang out in those areas, so it's a, it's a good place to, to come down and target trout, definitely. So say someone wants to come down here and freelance it and go catch them a, you know, come catch them a big trout. You mentioned some transition zones right there. We have mm -hmm. mud and shell and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Will that maybe be a good starting point to start looking for those little bit bigger fish? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got uh, those mud shell bottoms, mm -hmm. and uh, most of the time these fish lay, are laying their bellies on there and waiting for fish to come by. Um, the transition that we have, I'd, I'd call it like a transition uh, color change would be a color change where you've got the clear water and then you've got a little bit greenish margarita color water and then it turns into chocolate water. So that's a little transition that we call the color change. And most of the time, um, you can you, these trout like to hang out in that transition, right in that margarita water that we call it. And well, Margarita uh, <laughs> water. Sounds like a country song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People love that. But it, that's the trout. The trout like that, that area where the, that that zone you know because it's not too dirty not too clean so they can hide there they can hide and they can sit in the grass and no one can see them and they and uh, they just it's a good spot to target trout okay so brian we had the other podcast that we did we talked about snook and how persnicky they can be and bass like um big speckled trout there's there's a certain point in my opinion in a trout's life where it kind of shifts to a point where it's like no nah, i'm not going to go chase you know, a hundred shad a day, I'm going to get one big croaker, one big mullet, a couple of baits like that. Uh, do you find that kind of down here, people are pressuring the bigger fish, that the bigger fish are even a bigger challenge, even if you see them, to get to bite? Um, I, th I think so. Yes, yeah. they're definitely a bigger challenge to get them to, get them to bite. Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, that, you know, the bigger fish are targeting bigger bait fish. Bigger bait fish, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a friend when I was in college, uh, we were both studying wildlife together and did a big, big thing on, on the trout. And, you know, a lot of the younger trout where it was like, you know, 80% mm -hmm. uh, crustacean shrimp and small crabs and 20% bait fish. Mm -hmm. And once they got like 26 inches and bigger, it was yeah. like 80% bait fish and 20% mm -hmm. shrimp and other small things. Mm -hmm. And um, those big fish, I think they're hanging in the shallow chasing those big baits mm -hmm. and they're harder to get they're harder to get to eat they're they're smart and inside those shallow waters it's harder to fool one of those fish rather than in five feet where you can sneak up on them super easy you know they're in 13 14 inches of 
crystal clear water and, mm-hmm. and you're in a flats boat that's slapping on the getting hull slap or, or, you know, you're walking up creating a mud patch or anything like that, you know. If there's anything better than catching a big trophy trout, it's catching a big trophy trout on the top water. Yep. I mean, obviously, that's <clears throat> the apex in terms of the fun factor of it. Yep. Um, do you have an early morning or pre-dawn top water bite down here? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. I love okay. throwing top waters. Uh-huh. Um, I would say I think we've, so far this year, we've caught six or seven trout that are on my guide trips that are 29 and three quarters or 30 inches wow. and above. Mm-hmm. And I'd say four or five are on topwaters and most of them are on topwaters when i trout fish i'm using topwaters yeah um i just feel like they will actually i personally feel like they'll eat it better than a jig sometimes i don't know what it is it's, it just it just mm-hmm. angers them or mm-hmm. or what but uh i have a lot of luck with my clients to catching really big trout i'll have you know in the past i would do um one topwater mm-hmm. and two guys throwing jigs mm-hmm. you know and now when i go out there and i got people that want to catch are like I don't want a 24, 25, 26. No, I want a, yeah. I want a nine, ten pounder. Dude. Now Let's it gets to it. the inch. Like yeah. Yeah, we're gonna go up. We need a twenty six this time. Yeah. Twenty seven next time. Yeah, they're allowed. He's like, I'm not playing around with those. Those are just big, <laughs> cool fish. I want a monster, and I just want need one. I don't care if we don't catch anything else. And I'm like, well, we're gonna go out there and throw some big top waters. Yeah, and different sizes of top waters, and and that's what we're gonna do. The biggest ones that I've landed have been on that. My girlfriend. Uh, in September of all months, where they're not really, mm-hmm. really fat, she landed one that was above ten pounds wow. on a you know a Colt sniper top water lure, a little three inch, you know bait mm-hmm. that just a walk the dog style bait and hammered it and we caught that fish, pulled it in, and it had uh, it was like it had about a fourteen inch horse mullet inside of its stomach. We saw the tail hanging out, and it started spitting it out as we were landing he it. He still wants to eat, right? Yeah, yeah. And so top water is just where it's at for me, and that's what everybody loves to come and catch them on. You know, unless if I'm in the deeper water, then mm-hmm. I'll throw a quarter-ounce jig head on and a four-inch jerk bait. Yeah. Now, you mentioned um, water. We're talking about water clear, margarita water, and mm-hmm. whatever kind of bourbon water, whatever else you guys have down here. Yeah. Um, when you're going in these different water clarities, like on the upper coast, we have tea colored water and milk chocolate colored water, you yeah. know, that, and then every once in a while, sandy green, that's like our apex, right? But down here, it's different degrees of clear pretty much most of the time. Yep. Um, even in those degrees of clear, is, is the color of your top water for trout making a difference? Um, I, don't, I don't have any better luck on any ones. I, I mean, I feel that in the springtime, I throw a lot of pink. Okay. And that's just, I don't. I never discovered that. I just heard about it, and yeah. I started doing it, and I had luck doing it. Hey, I don't know if I could do it. Like, I could maybe go out there and throw a black one, and it would happen. But springtime comes, I'm like, yeah, it's pink topwater time. And mm-hmm. I catch them like that. I throw a glow topwater a lot mm-hmm. also, just like a bone slash glow color. Yeah. And um, that's just a well-known one. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I throw a lot of ones that just mimic a, a mullet, you know, just with a little mm-hmm. bit shinier, you know, flash mm-hmm. on it. Now, just, Louis, no. not sure. Now, Luis, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking, and you mentioned pop, the top waters. I mean, uh, of corks. He's in popping corks and plastics. Yes. I mean, in a certain way, uh, a, a popping cork serves as sort of a top water to grab a fish's attention, and you have the bait below it. Right. Um, uh, are you sticking with that pattern a lot, or you sometimes just go, you know what, I just want to watch a top water get mauled? Oh, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll switch over. If I've got 
in certain situations where you don't necessarily have a lot of wind at your back yeah and you can't really get a bait far enough sometimes yeah you know you'll switch we'll switch over to top water mm -hmm. and you can definitely add 20 yards to your cast and switch over mm -hmm. to that and and get eats on that so we've got lots of good solid trout on top water you know keepers and then you'll get surprised by a big big trout sometimes so yeah. definitely we'll make that switch now in this clear water down here whether it's on a, a leader or um just your line are you guys having to use floral carbon do you find that these fish are spooky with line um yeah, they can be especially in the crystal clear water you know yeah. and floral carbon is usually uh, the way to go you know and it's just disappears and it's just you get a lot more eats instead of catching maybe three or four fish you'll, you'll catch seven or eight of them so it, it does make a difference for sure yeah the first time i ever messed with fluorocarbon it was in really clear lakes bass fishing yeah and uh it was amazing to me the difference that i was getting on, on yeah so i'm like well, i'm using this forever for stuff you know because <laughs> yeah. um now when you're dealing with you who colored water doesn't really matter so much <laughs> but uh when you're in this clear stuff you know because the Laguna Madre, it's more of a quartz-based sand down here. And I had Dr. David McKee on wow. uh, talking about the difference in sand. While the water stays clear, it's more of a heavier quartz-based than some of the other parts of the thing. And you have that clear water year-round. And I think that if someone wants to come to like South Padre, do some solo fishing. And of course, I recommend getting a guide at least the first time you come someplace. Uh, make sure and try to book these guys. They're awesome. But um, if you're going out solo like that, I'll always say study the area and do every little detail that you can to make your limited time on the water work. And that's why I ask about fluorocarbon. Because a lot of guys, ah, I'll just fish my normal stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. That that has to be one of one of the go-tos on there. Now, uh, in terms of uh, you know, the prey base, we mentioned mullet here. Um, but is there a time that switches? I mean, are there is there a time where like, okay, even the big ones are on shrimp or mm -hmm. uh, do you get a time where they're in, in the in the in the in the grass eating pinfish? I mean, is there a certain time where like they're on something they don't want anything else? Yeah, I mean, uh, they'll, they'll move around. So that saying that, you know, a lot of times in the wintertime, we'll catch them more in the clear water because yep. it's nice and, and, and warmer in there for them. So they'll be eating a lot more pinfish. And uh, you'll find pin, they'll be spitting out pinfish and stuff like that. So you'll try to mimic that with okay. a jerk bait or a, a three-inch shad or something like that. And then in the sea, these summer months, they start moving over into the the deeper, cooler waters that Margarita transition. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit more of a mud shell mix there. There's some grass in there as well, but there's there's a lot little more crabs and there's a there's lots of schools of mullet and stuff like that and shrimp. So they'll be spitting the shrimp out. So that's why it's always a go go-to thing to, to try to mimic whatever they're eating and. Um, that does change throughout the seasons, definitely. Now, Brian, when you you know one, one thing I love is when I see a trout like circle my top water before it hits it. You know, every once in a while mm -hmm. you'll see that kind of action. Uh, in this clear water, do you find that the trout are maybe a little spookier to come up and hit the top water sometimes? Uh, and when you get hit in an area like this where that fish can see you a lot of times, actually see the action that's going on. Uh, is there like we're going to let that fish take the bait? Or are you going to set the hook quickly? What's your favorite thing to do there? It depends. It depends what I'm doing. Um, I feel the really, really big ones. They don't care. They're mean and they're yeah. not afraid of okay. nothing. I like and they're going to come and smash that. Uh, the the 22s, the 23s. That they're mm -hmm. not on the top of the food mm -hmm. chain yet. They might think about it. I feel like the really big ones just don't care. They're going to hit it tw ten feet from the boat if they really want it. 
just an FYI, you realize how spoiled this is? You guys are going, ah, just the 22s, 23s, 24s, <laughs> 25s. Those guys yeah. are out there. and Because you know, social media world, I want to let you know that those are the 35-inchers you're seeing on Facebook. I just want you to let you just figure that out, okay? Right. Long arm them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You give them the guide stretch. Yeah, yeah, come uh. on, man. It's better to make it look small. I'll give you that. But, uh, yep. yeah, so that's interesting. That it's, like, it's almost like you're saying you're dialing down. Mm-hmm to find those particular big fish. Yep, and we have a lot of grass here, too. And mm-hmm. like as you said about letting them eat it, not letting them eat it, mm-hmm. you know, it depends what, what we're doing. Um, I'll throw a big, you know, like I said, that cold sniper with the hard bait with the treble hooks a lot. Mm-hmm. But we do get a lot of floating grass. And uh, we've got a, a soft plastic topwater that is a, a single hook, weedless, okay. and DOA makes it. And that thing, oh, it's, it's a 5 eighth ounce, and you can launch it. And uh, lots of times when it's grassy, we're doing that. And when you're doing that, it's kind of like frog fishing. I keep going back to bass. It's kind of like frog fishing. You I mean, don't set the hook until you feel the fish. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Like, you almost, well, it's almost easier to work at nighttime where you might hear it blow up, but you just keep on working it until you feel it, and then mm-hmm. you set the hook. The other ones, lots of times when they blow it up, they snag the side of their face or they actually get the hooks or something. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. a lot better hookup ratio. Um, but they have a better chance of coming off too. Now, what's that particular plug, by the way? The, the that's a that's a DOA PT7. PT7 it's a weedless okay. yeah. PT7. It's got a custom 7.0 trocar hook on there, mm-hmm. and I'll tie it on a big piece of uh, fluorocarbon because, like, to, to touch base on what you and Lee, uh, Louis spoke about, mm-hmm. um, why we use fluorocarbon. A lot of that reason is because our water is so shallow mm-hmm. and um, so clear. We need to get as much casting distance as we can. Mm-hmm. So we're doing things like going to a 7.6 rod, okay. and we're using 10 pound braid rather than you know you can't boat flip or just tie straight to 10-pound braid to sure. catch a speckled trout or a snook or whatever, they're going to pop it off. But yep. you know, lots of people are throwing bait casters with 30-pound mm-hmm. up north. Mm-hmm. It's up 20-pound where you can it can handle it. But we're downsizing to, like, 10-pound braids that way uh, and putting a 30-pound, 25-pound fluorocarbon leader on it. So mm-hmm. that way our clients will get that extra 10 yards because that extra 10 yards would be the big difference, you know. Yeah, I imagine with the bigger fish, warrior, that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to close the distance like that. So uh, I, I love being able to go into the um, not the mind of the speckled trout, but uh, but like going into these different areas, and you have the same fish that's in Florida, same fish that's in South Carolina and Louisiana, mm-hmm. but there's nuances about their behavior and things, these different habitats and the seagrass. So, Luis, you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned the seagrass and, and, the, and the margarita water, different things like that. Yeah. Uh, do you ever catch them when they're like, I mean, let's, we're going, let's go full-on bass fishing here, boys. Uh, <laughs> do you ever catch them down in the grass? Do you ever throw a spoon or something down, actually a weedless spoon through the grass? Something Have you ever weedless. had that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a, lot, a lot of times they'll, they'll hide themselves in the grass. You know, mm-hmm. you, you won't ever see them. You know, our grass is really thick, and yeah. they'll go in there, and they'll just disappear. So sometimes you got to throw a weedless hook on, and uh, my favorite, my go-to would be a jerk bait. You know, you a can, jerk bait. A jerk okay. shad, yeah, from DOA Lures. You throw the four-inch jerk bait, and yep. you can kind of pull it in and out of those grass blades, okay. and they're sitting there, and it kind of bumps them on the head or passes right in front of them, and mm-hmm. you pull them out like that, so... Definitely, you want to you want to switch over to some weedless jigs and and target some some big trout that hide in that grass. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, it's really interesting those seagrass habitats, and that's a conservation moment here. I mean, obviously, you know, we just had this major freeze of 2021. There's some new regulations for this whole part of Texas. Thank God for right now to conserve for those who aren't maybe ethical enough or you know forward thinking enough to take those measures like that. And um, but there still are lots of good trout here. It didn't like wipe out the whole fishery got to be really conscientious about these things but this the habitat itself i mean i think we're talking laguna madre we're talking 
um, these acres and miles of seagrass. So, right, right. you know, what percentage of your trout fishing is based around seagrass? I'd say, I'd say 80% of it okay. would be, yeah. you know, most mm-hmm. of the time, you know, we're drifting a flat where there's scattered grass patches. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell people to aim for the grass patches because that's where they hang out. And, uh, of course, grass brings life. Everybody knows that. So if yeah. you find some grass, there's going to be food in there. And uh, it's, it's, full, it's full of grass, like you said, for miles and miles. And, and um, that's, that's just perfect for, for the trout. They love that. So something I experience in Louisiana and on the upper coast, what I call wolf packs, where it's like, you know, better than average size. It's not your 25-inch averages down here, whatever you got talking about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, those 18 to 22-inch fish, nice fish right. that'll be real tight to banks, and they seem to be all about the same size. There's no little ones with them. Do you ever have down here in this part of the world where you find a pot of fish and they're all like big fish or, or, or you find more solitary big fish? Um, well, I've, I've have run into, you know, moments where there's big trout hanging out together, yeah. you know, and I'm talking upper slot, the old upper slot, which was 25 inches or, yeah. or bigger. Yeah. So th- I have had moments where I've had people catch two over slot trout at the same time and, and moments like that, you know, and, uh, but most of the time when you're targeting a big trout or at least myself, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, it's kind of like I'm working for that solid, that solo big mm-hmm. trout where mm-hmm. I kind of feel like a big trout's going to be hanging out here, whether mm-hmm. it's on a point or on mm-hmm. a certain drop off or in a certain pothole, we call mm-hmm. those sand holes out here. And, um, you know, that's the way I'll, I would target a, a solo trout. Okay, so Brian, Mr. Bass Snook guy over here, okay? Here uh, we're going to have fun in the water. But um, when you're fishing, you mentioned winter and the thermocline here. Yep. And you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the 80, said probably 80% of the snook are in the channel in the deeper water that time of year. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across big trout down around the thermocline or big trout suspended in that deep water? Well, that's it's funny you ask because, you know, since the freeze, yeah, um, I don't even, I. The, Weird to say it, but I'm, you know, feel bad for fish at places that had their most of their population go. But I've had probably my best big trout year I've had in possibly my whole life or wow. the last eight to ten years with these trout mm-hmm. uh, since the freeze. Wow. Um, not as far as catching numbers of slot trout go, but big trout. Yeah. And that's because I'm I'm fishing for those snook in that deep water. Interesting. Um, three four days a week, and I'm going to my snook holes where it's 18 feet deep. And I drop down there, and I'm, you know, jigging for some snook. Thump something, mm-hmm. bring it up. I think it's a big snook. Boom, see some purple down there, and 29-inch trout. Wow. You know, and, that's, um, not, we that's were, awesome bycatch, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that's very good bycatch, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just I, I was counting at first when we first got it because I mm-hmm. put it on my Facebook and stuff like that, and I think we had 47 trout on my charters, 47 Mm-hmm. trout that were 28 inches or bigger since the freeze uh, in that deep water and it just gets to spots where um i'm not used to seeing them i was like um me and louise were talking about scattered fish like there might be four on this six on this flat mm-hmm. but they're not right now they're not wolf packing it they're just yeah. like it here so mm-hmm. they're probably here but this is where i first was encountering schools of big fish like that and i think it's because it's deeper water mm-hmm. and all the snook holes where i normally would be thumping snook I'm thumping big trout. Like, we might thump one tomorrow. You know, who knows? It's a good thing. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing. And, um, you know, I just feel like they sat in that in that deep water. Okay. And it's made the snook fishing a little bit more difficult, too, because a trout, they're going to, a 28-inch trout is going to eat before a big snook every time. Yeah. You know? And those trout are going to outcompete those snook for every spot and every hole that's in there. 
Yeah. Cause they're going to, they school up and they're going to eat all the bait and all the food. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to catch snook in my snook spots and I've been thumping huge trout as in a bycatch all winter. I'm having my best trout season of the year on accident. Wow. That's the yeah. quote of the show. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> we, no, I'm going to, I got to go down this rabbit hole with you. So, uh, you're talking about these fish in deeper water. Are they like, you know, are they suspending? They're suspending okay. in, in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what kind of bottom there is. Okay. Um, Areas where there's not a lot of structure, not a lot of oysters, that I'll, they'll be belly scraping. I'll pull them up with red stomachs and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. lots of them where, I'm, where there's structure, old falling down docks, riprap, things mm-hmm. like I told you I fish for snook, old mesquite trees that are falling down in there, and it's mm-hmm. uh, 16 feet deep. I'm pulling them off of that stuff, suspended. Wow. wow. Suspended. And uh, and it's, it's a, a few of them. It's more than one or two. You know, and they've thinned out since. Okay. But I think that they stuck around in there for a very long time after the freeze, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of them were spawning in there. They just got happy, and uh, there was a lot of bait, and it was still cold, and they were like, the heck with going out into the flats for now. I'm waiting until until June. Yeah, because we've had a lot more late-season fronts, mm-hmm. you know, than we have in a typical It's blown year. out of the north today. Yeah, which is insanity, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I wonder if a drop shot rig would work good for those bottom fit those belly to the bottom fish. I, I bet you it would. I've never tried it, yeah. but a drop shot rig would work pretty yeah. good. I've caught deep water flounder on the drop shot. You yeah. Know, I do a lot of flounder stuff. It's kind of my thing. And, you know, we had some spots in a river we were fishing, and I'm like, you know, I bet a drop shot would work. I and, bet you it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really, really neat stuff. So, um, all right, we appreciate you talking about Speckled Trout and our Speckled Trout Saga series on Higher Calling Gulf Coast. I'm going to wrap up with this. Tell me the story of the biggest trout you've ever had that got away. You ever um, have a heartbreaker? Yep, yep. <laughs> I had some one time. Uh, um, I had uh, Mark Nichols, guy I looked I up Mark. to him big time. Yeah, looked up to him big time. I was an employee of DOA for a while, and so yeah, I had him. Then we'd come down and we would hang out. Yeah, Mark's and I, a good guy. I had him out, and I was starstruck. Mark, first time we were down, and mm-hmm. we got into some very big trout. School, we were catching them for like a week together, hanging mm-hmm. out. And I hooked one that was definitely uh, 10 pounds. <laughs> and uh, he was always talking smack to me for having my drag too tight. <laughs> having my drag too tight. And I was like, man, we winched these things in down here, Mark. Don't worry about it. You know, and then and I hooked this monster one. I hadn't seen a trout like that since I was a little kid. Yeah. 10-pound fish, 32, 33-inch fish. And uh, maybe 10 feet in front of the boat, my hook came flying out. I was like, oh, it came off. And I looked at my, my jig head, and my jig head was straight. Got straightened out. And I looked at him, and he was looking at me, and he busted me. I tried to hide it, and he busted me, and he yelled at me for he yelled at me, and made me feel like an idiot for having my drag too tight. And ever since then, I have my drag set to TV show drag. TV show drag. Yeah, okay. yeah a little bit. I, well, for like a month, I was I was scared. I set it to TV show drag for a while, and I tightened it up a little bit now. Nah. Just a little bit. Yeah. All right, Louise, tell me your heartbreaking story. Oh man, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Got to go through the heartbreak moments. We do. Yeah. It's well, therapy for us, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, I'd have to go back to a moment when um, I was actually running a guide trip and I had one of a really good client of mine where it's just one person and mm-hmm. I'm able to fish with them. And of course, we were throwing artificial lures and mm-hmm. uh, we're working in an area that was usually for reds. And like Brian said earlier, sometimes these big trout hang out with, uh, with the redfish because they're eating kind of the same bait and, yeah. and uh, working this, this jerk bait. And I hooked I hook something that I thought was a red because it never came mm-hmm. up, never came out, started peeling drag. And I thought it was a huge red. And I said, hey, man, you want to reel this in? You know, because he hadn't hooked up yet. And he's like, nah, I'll let you bring that one in, of course. So I play this fish all the way to the boat, thinking it's a redfish the whole time because it never came up. And, uh, you know, I, I get it up to the boat and I was just going to grab him. 
And all of a sudden it just comes up and does a big old head shake. And it's like at least a 30 inch trout, something wow. like that. And spits a hook right in my face. And I can still see that picture in my mind of its big yellow mouth, you know, <laughs> looking at me and then <laughs> spitting, taking off. So that, that'd be definitely my worst heart, heart, heartbreaking moment. Since you've got bared your souls, I'll share a story from, from <laughs> my recollection. This is like a long time ago when I was just a pup and I was a young outdoor writer and fishing the Chandelier Islands off the coast of, uh, we were on Breton Island out there, which is kind of off Venice, Louisiana, between there and Biloxi. And uh, there was like mega shark central. They were like, I've never seen so many sharks I've seen there. And there were quite a few getting, you know, hitting the fish coming in and stuff like that. So uh, I kind of have a story like you. Uh, I have this good trout on. I don't know, quite know how good it is. I just knew it was a trout. And I knew it was hefty. And I saw him like, there's a, and, I, and there was a lot of sharks. So you know what, I'm going gonna, gonna to tighten my drag up a little bit. We're going to kind of horse this fish in and get it because I don't want to draw. Because I'm pretty far out. I don't want a shark any closer to me than I have to be because there's bull sharks everywhere, right? Well, this shark, this this trout makes a spin around me, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it was probably 28, 29-inch fish, which is really, really big for down there. And I'm like, my drag's too tight, and, I'm, I, got, and I got it on the plastic, right? And I'm like, okay, we're going to try to get it in. We're going to get the net. And that fish just went, zhe, pop, open that mouth up, and just, I, it's like slow motion in my mind. You know, you can see the jig just dislodging, and then the water, and I never caught, even got a trout remotely that big anywhere in the category down in that area ever again in my life. But, uh, but you know what? As bad as those moments are, it's kind of the moments like that that keep us out on the water, you know, to redeem ourselves, right? So, yep, yeah, yep, absolutely, man. Yeah, well, keeps so you coming back for more. That's it. So uh, if you want a really awesome trip, you can go to the podcast description. We'll have all their links and their social media and stuff. Brian Luis, thank you for coming to Higher Calling Gulf Coast and talking speckled trout. Thanks for having us. It's been said that bonefish provide us practice, tarpon provide us excitement, and permit provide us humility. But what can we provide them in return for so enriching our lives? Our support for the science behind the fight. Our support for Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Please join us today at ptt.org. These species' well-being depends on You've been listening to Higher Calling Gulf Coast with award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Email him at chester at chestermoore.com. Check out his wildlife writings at highercalling.net and find him at the Chester Moore on Instagram.